This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is NPR's Life Kit, and I'm Mayoa Aina. The first thing I do when I wake up is check my phone. I just need to see how much time I have before I need to get to work. But then I'll see a good morning text or a message from my buddy that came in overnight. He's a night owl. It's usually a meme, so I gotta go see it on Instagram. Naturally, after that, I have to hop on Twitter to get caught up on the latest drama. I'll open up my email, too, just to see if there's anything urgent. And after all that, I can finally start to get ready. I'll probably keep flipping through each of those apps throughout the day. (laughs) Who am I kidding? I'll definitely keep flipping through each of those apps and more until it's time to go to bed. It's hard to tell just how often people use their phones. A recent survey claimed Americans check their phones once every four minutes. It doesn't have to be that way, though. The less that I have these pings on my brain of, like, news articles, tweets, and that sort of thing, the less that my brain feels like it's just constantly being activated, the more that I realize I just want to sit and relax a little bit and, like, just be. And that itself feels almost revolutionary. I talked with Sammy Nichols. She's the author of Log Off, Self-Help for the Extremely Online. It's a workbook to reset your relationship with your phone. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options within your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message is brought to you by Apple Pay. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the Wallet app and you're good to go. But she says there's more to balancing your digital life than just logging off. So on this Life Kit, we're talking about how to fit the internet into our lives without letting it take over. So I have to admit, um, when I picked up the book, I was just a little bit skeptical because I am an extremely online person and I really don't like when people point it out. (laughs) I totally hear that. (laughs) Um, But you talk about this in the book, too, about this idea of a digital detox and how it's kind of like a trite idea at this point. Um, Can you talk a little bit about why you don't like the idea of a digital detox, which is what I think more people are maybe familiar with? Yes, yeah. Um, It might seem kind of getting into semantics when it comes to the differences between digital detoxing and digital minimalism, but it really isn't. Because digital detoxing, I mean, a lot of times it's just a couple weeks that you're just completely off your social media. And then what, like you go back online and you don't really have a plan to be able to figure out how to kind of strike that balance in between being completely offline and being too online. Digital minimalism is more about figuring out your own personal internet boundaries and 
allowing yourself to use digital tools in a way that is helpful to you. One of the things that I was also really struck by is there's a little quiz in the beginning that sort of gives you a baseline of like your online activity. And so I took the quiz and I was very happy that I wasn't in the worst category. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> but I was in the second worst category, <laughs> which said that I was too online. And I was like, okay, well, I can see that. Um, <laughs> but I was kind of surprised by how many different emotions I felt when just taking this little like nine question quiz. Um, and one of those emotions was fear. Like I didn't really want to be confronted with what I knew it was probably going to be. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think that feeling comes from? I think that that fear comes from a really natural place of trying to protect yourself. It just goes along like hand in hand with denial. It's really difficult to confront things that scare us. And social media is a form of addiction. I mean, it can be for a lot of people. And I think that that fear, it comes from a really natural place because it it's requiring you to kind of confront something that is really difficult to face. But if you're able to kind of sit with that fear and then recognize where it's coming from, that's where the rewards come in. That's where it's you're able to kind of see past that veil. Um, and it's really difficult to do. But mm -hmm. I think that it's required for real lasting change and growth. For sure, for sure. Um, and you talk about some of those uh, benefits in the book as well. I think there's probably like nine or ten of them that you're like, if you do this, you will experience some really incredible rewards. Yes, yeah. I And I don't want to assume that that would be the case for everybody, but it definitely was the case for me um, just in terms of my sleep, my overall well-being, my relationships. It really extended to so many different areas of my life. And I think that that's partially because I grew up not really understanding the concept of boundaries and I had to learn the very, very hard way what boundaries are and why I need them and how to establish them and how to not feel guilty for establishing them because they're really important. They're what let us live our life in a free way. It might seem contradictory boundaries versus being free, but it really does free you uh, to think about other things other than scrolling like crazy. And I think that digital minimalism is a step towards living a more intentional life in that way. Okay, so you give us some tips for getting started with digital minimalism, things like turning off your push notifications so they're not coming to you directly, but it's something that you see when you open up an app, letting your loved ones know about your intentions and how to reach you if you decide to change your activity, curating your social media experience and being more intentional about that deleting social media from your phone, making a list of hobbies you enjoy and sort of prioritizing those activities. Um, but one that came up that I haven't really heard about um, in this context yet was charging your phone outside of your bedroom. And you bring this up multiple times in the workbook. Don't go to bed with your phone. <laughs> Why do you underscore that tip in particular? Okay, have you ever been to a hotel that, like that's kind of nice and you get into the sheets and it just feels so nice to kind of like have this time to yourself and just feel mm -hmm. very calm and it's like a very specific, in my mind, a hotel feeling. And that's what I felt when I put my phone outside of my room and just like kind of let myself like relax and like maybe take a bath or like uh, read for a while. And 
just away from any screens, it's like I got that presence of mind back. And I realized uh, that that hotel feeling is just mindfulness. And I just wasn't mindful, you know, in my waking life because I was constant. I constantly had my attention pulled this way and that. But having the phone outside of your bedroom, it, it makes that time around your bedtime feel just like like a sanctuary. And also it really does improve your sleep. And then there was one other tip that you talked about, which was building a toolbox of other apps, things like app timers or screen time reminders. Do you find that those actually work? And do you have advice for people like me who will set a timer and just completely ignore it and go right (laughs) past it? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I found that there's um, one app in particular called Freedom that has really helped me. And in terms of like setting a timer, it's, it's sort of something that comes with practice. Uh, And there are still some times where I mess up or I'll unblock myself from Twitter and scroll through for too long until I feel like garbage. Um, But, you know, it's, it's about being human and about recognizing in the moment that your relationship with this platform or that platform is becoming harmful and making a change in that moment without judging yourself, without uh, beating yourself up. Because these platforms and these apps are designed, they're addictive by design. Uh, they are trying to encroach on your time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really interesting. My um, mom came over for the weekend and she was just kind of like in the corner, like laughing to herself. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> when did you get on TikTok? And she was like, oh, you know, I just want to like laugh or whatever. And it like helps pass <laughs> the time. But I got to tell her what she always tells me, which is to get off my phone and like pay attention to who's in the room. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's like really interesting to be able to be on the other side as someone who's very online and be like, oh, this is how I'm like presenting to other people. Um, and it'd be nice to like actually figure out ways that I'm comfortable with and other people are comfortable with that makes us all feel present. Yeah, I really resonate with that. Absolutely. Once you start practicing digital minimalism, I find that when you're more present around other people and not like checking your phone constantly, they end up being more present too. Because there's, it feels really good to be present with somebody. And when you are making changes in your life and other people see how much happier you are then it does end up spreading to other people Uh, people are curious people are always looking for ways to improve their life but sometimes it comes in ways that they don't expect yeah the workbook is sort of a companion it's kind of like a guided journal and there are all of these prompts could you talk about what some of the prompts are and what some questions people uh, would be asking themselves if they were to look through the book Yeah, um, a lot of them are about recognizing your own feelings. So at one point, I actually asked the reader to scroll through social media as they normally would and notice what feelings come up, like what prompts them to get on social media. Like, for example, I noticed that whenever I was feeling bad about myself in some way, I would log on Twitter. And I noticed that would happen almost every time. Um, But it's really difficult to notice these sorts of things when you're in it, you know, and when Mm -hmm. you're prompted to really think about it, be mindful about how you're feeling. um, That's where the gold is really, because 
the only thing that you need to do, the only thing is to pay attention to how you're feeling on social media. And when you feel bad, log off. That's like the one rule that I have in my book. But it's so difficult because it seems like there are so many elements in society that are kind of trying to get you to just like click on this advertisement, to just uh, scroll through this. Oh no, keep on watching this video, you know? And sometimes that's all you really need is for somebody to ask you or for you to ask yourself, how do I feel right now? And maybe then that'll lead to why and what can I do? And most times it's not scroll. Most times it's like take a nap or talk to a friend, or do something that makes you happy. How long could this process take, and what can people expect in terms of what they might realize when they embark on this journey? Yeah, it, it should take a, a few weeks, but it could take longer depend or shorter depending on, you know, the person. But I would challenge the reader to try to make it last like three to four weeks and really let yourself kind of feel what it feels like to be offline at least for a little bit um, and then be able to reintegrate slowly because the reintegration process really helps you to isolate different platforms and find out what they're contributing to your life and at least personally I found that they're contributing a lot less than I thought. I found myself deleting my Facebook, deleting my Instagram, because I realized I there was almost no benefits to it for me. Uh, I kept my Twitter um, because I just can't say no to Twitter. But <laughs> I would give yourself the gift of taking some time. Would you describe it as a difficult process? Yeah, in some ways. In some ways it is because kicking any sort of habit that feels like, you know, a dopamine hit is going to be inherently difficult. But then you kind of get this period of like almost reclaiming your life. And I don't mean to sound dramatic. I don't mean to use platitudes, but that's really how it felt where I was like, oh my God, I can do anything I want with my time. Like, and I forgot, I forgot that I'm an adult who can do whatever I want, you know? Um, But yeah, um, it is difficult, but uh, yeah, lovely in my opinion. Is there anything else you'd like to say just about how this practice of digital minimalism has impacted you and why you continue to to do this practice? The one thing that I want to add is that I think that a big resistance to social media and getting off social media is that you'll lose friends. And I would say that social media makes us think that we're supposed to have countless close friends, but relationships take time. And the really great thing about rolling back your social media use is that it kind of helps you see which relationships were kind of a bit shallow, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all, because that's human nature. Like we have acquaintances and we have people who we know through certain contexts. But if the relationship is meant to stay, it will. And it's kind of rewarding in that way to realize which friendships and which relationships are in it for the long haul. That was Sammy Nichols, author of the book Log Off, Self-Help for the Extremely Online. You can find a version of the quiz we talked about at the top of the episode at npr.org slash lifekit. And if you find, like me, you are too online, try turning off push notifications, charging your phone outside your bedroom, reinvest in your hobbies and interests, and remember you can always just log off. For more LifeKit, check out our other episodes. I even hosted one about finding your personal style. You can find episodes at npr.org slash lifekit. And if you love the show and want more, subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash lifekitnewsletter. 
And now, here's a random tip from one of our listeners. Hey, my name is Laura Michael. My life hack is if you want inexpensive um, foam soap, if you take your empty foam soap dispenser, get any scent Castile soap that you like. If you pour a couple tablespoons in the bottom of the foam soap dispenser, you can fill the rest of the bottle up with water. And then you just have an entire bottle of foam soap just for a handful of scents. And you can use whatever scent you like. And you can also add a couple drops of essential oils um, to scent it as well. If you've got a good tip, leave us a voicemail at 202-216-9823. Or email us a voice memo at lifekit at npr.org. This episode of Life Kit was produced by Sylvie Douglas. Our visuals editor is Beck Harlan. Megan Kane is a supervising editor. And Beth Donovan is the executive producer. Our production team also includes Audrey Wynn, Andy Tagle, and Michelle Oslem. Our intern is Vanessa Handy, and engineering support comes from Patrick Murray, Alex Drewinskis, and Neil Tevault. I'm Maya Ina. Thank you for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. The past is shrouded in mystery. To understand it, you have to get up close. Something happened to our collective psyche after the atom bomb. On NPR's Throughline, we reopen stories from the past to find clues to the present. Find Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.